Hi, and welcome back to the Ballard Designs podcast, How to Decorate. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. We'll be interviewing interior designers and stylists and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline McDonald. I run the Ballard Designs blog, howtodecorate.com. And I'm Taryn Schwartz, and I'm on the product design team at Ballard. Hey, Taryn. Hi, Karen. <laughs> I'm Karen Mooney. I head up branding for Ballard. And we are your hosts. Hey, y'all. Welcome. First, we have a special little announcement, and that is that for the next couple of weeks, um, we're going to try this summer to bring a new guest every or a new episode every single week, and we're going we're gonna to test it out. We want to bring you really good guests, and we want to bring you fresh ideas for every episode. So in the fall, we may drop back down to bi-weekly, but... Um, for for the next couple of of months we have a lot of a lot of good people in the yeah, pipeline we have so a lot of good stuff for you we don't want to keep it yeah we don't want to hold on to it so we're gonna um we're gonna bring you more yay more all right let's get to our trials and triumphs So should we do our trials and triumphs real quick? No. Do them. <laughs> yes. yes, we should. I have no trials. My life is only triumphs. Okay, well, I'll start. Mine are kind of lame, so I'll start because y'all, y'all's are probably more exciting than mine. Okay, so my good, my trial, my, I mean, sorry, my triumph is that um, last winter in January, so January 2016, I planted over 100 tulip bulbs in my front yard. What? Yeah, your front- yard is not big. How did you fill, fit a hundred tulip bulbs in there? Well, they were all like I have a front like bed in front of like our house. Oh, okay. And so they were all like in a line in front of the front cool. bed. Cool. Did they all match? Um, they're all kind of mixed. Okay. There were some whites and a lot I'm of shocked. deep purples. I thought you'd do all whites. I thought you'd do a very I not stripes. White, but I was really. <laughs> <laughs> I was really stuck on like this deep purple for some reason. I just felt like it would look pretty in front Those of, are gorgeous. Those really deep the, like, purple tulips. Yeah, they're like almost black. Mm-hmm. I think they're really pretty. Anyways, um, but because it's so hot in Atlanta, my Will's, my husband's aunt who gave the tulips to us told us that we shouldn't necessarily expect them to rebloom every year because they'll sometimes rot in the summer. So I planted them expecting just one year out of them. Well, y'all, they're coming up in my yard. Right now? Yes. Oh, my hydrangeas are budding out. Mine are too. Which I'm kind of excited about because hydrangeas look like garbage in the winter. In the winter. It's just sticks. Yeah. Well, they look like garbage in July once the heat hits them too. So You know what? Stop judging my hydrangea. (laughs) But that one month in June is totally worth it. That's what I'm saying. I'd rather them come early because yeah. when it's 100 degrees dry. out every day, they, and do get, real they hot. get real thirsty. Well, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm excited because I'm ready for them to look like bushes again and not like dead twigs in my yard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my triumph, I mean, I'm sorry, my trial. Um, let's see, my trial. Okay, well, here's the thing that I, I need people's suggestions on. Okay. I feel like I might be allergic to my mattress or my pillows or something. Is this a new thing? No, this has been happening. For, but but I wake up like really congested, and I think that I might be allergic to dust mites or something. Does anyone have that problem? So how long has this been going on? Let's diagnose it. We're going to be oh, your like doctor. a long time. Years. Well, your whole life since you moved into this house, since you've been married. Yeah, we no, need some context. Probably like five or six years. How long have you been in the house? 
Two years. How long have you had the mattress? Probably six years, but I don't think it's necessarily How long have this? you had Will? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you allergic to Will and or your dog? I, th- I think that what it is is I'm allergic to dust mites. So you've already self-diagnosed. You're not really interested in our opinion here. <laughs> well, no. Yeah, what I'm interested not. in is if – I feel like this is a pretty common thing based on my Google searches. And so I'm wondering if anyone has – like dealt with it. I had read something about like washing all your pillows uh-huh. and getting a mattress cover for your mattress that like I guess makes it so you're not breathing. I don't know. Well, you have a mattress cover for your mattress, right? Yeah, but it's not like it's a special kind. So like an, like an like had, an antibiotic one or something. Yeah. Or, or, like what is it called? Like a it's, see, it's not really that bad. It's just a lot one. of times I'll wake up like kind of congested, hypoallergenic. That's but the word then like I'm an hour for. after I wake up, I'm fine. Okay, so my husband mm-hmm. Joe Mooney, as we talked about many times. Um, does that all night long. So all night long, he will like wake up, blow his nose, throw his Kleenex across the room and miss the trash can. So when you wake him in the morning, they're like 23 Kleenex around the trash can. Mm-hmm. And then he claims he has no allergies. I'm like, honey, people don't do that all night. You're weird. And he's like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I don't have any allergies. Maybe he has I'm it too. Fine. Do you, I don't have, I'm not waking up with dust in my nose. But some people aren't allergic to them. Like, it's a thing so that lives all, in every wait, mattress. Are you telling me that some is not? Oh, really? So dust mites are in every mattress, but some people are allergic and others aren't? That's gross. But at the same time, you can also get congestion from being, like, allergic to gluten. Yeah, true. Like, yeah. So it but could why, be. But why would I only a Claritin? I don't know. It doesn't help. I mean, a Zyrtec, not a Claritin. Not really. It hasn't helped. Have I've you, done you've it before. Tried, yeah. You've tried taking yeah. a Zyrtec. Yeah. Once a day. Mm-mm. Doesn't really. So then it doesn't Okay, so you're asking a bunch of design people or people interested. <laughs> well, I'm just we wondering if know. anyone else yeah, has had maybe. this problem about like just Between because it's the three of us, it's no. Like I said, it's not like an hour after I wake up, I'm fine. So it's not like it is really that bad. I just I kind of wake up and like blow my nose, but then I'm also it's every night, out. pretty regularly. Yes. So it's not just when you drink red wine, or, correct? And when you're on vacation as well. I I've, don't know. I'll okay. Have to yeah. You need to uh, probably not. your probably vacation so. nasal passage issues. Yeah. I mean, it happens when I'm like at home in like my, the guest bed that my parent at my parents' house or on vacation. Sleep it on your sofa one night and see what happens. You have hmm. that giant what, sofa. Yeah. What you think All the right. dust mites are in every single pillow in your house? I think they just like live in cushions. Ugh, gross. I don't want to ever go over sleep again. Like, ugh. I'm pretty don't sure. Google it. Yeah, Mm-mm. don't Google Did it. Did you Google it? I started to, and then you've you've ruined Don't it. Don't do me. it. It'll creep you out. You'll never get in your bed again. Oh yeah. Anyway, so, so now your trial is our trial. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> I feel itchy. For no I reason. think they just like live in pillows and beds, but like Ugh. they're microscopic and they're just sort of like there. We're gonna move on. Um, okay, so I'll start with my trial this week, and mine's kind of of a similar um, thread of being like cleaning related to the home so it's not decorating per se um i have a glass shower Mm -hmm. and um it's a big old shower it looks so luxurious why thank you it's i like it um (laughs) and but it's it is mostly glass and so of course like we're not squeegeeing every day Mm -mm. let's be realistic Mm -hmm. i know i should i bought the cleaners that you know every day but instead i have to get in there and clean it like mm-hmm. once a month to get it like sparkling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I am using this process that I like found on the internet, but I was wondering if there was better. But I'll tell you guys because it's super foreign the way I do yeah, it. Yeah, because I have three glass showers as well, and they don't look good. 
And my husband is a firm believer in the daily squeegeeing, and I, I just laugh at him and don't do it. So now we have cloudy shower doors. So what's your what's your solution? Tell it. Okay. So this is what I read was like equal parts hot or equal parts vinegar and water, mm-hmm. white vinegar, and you get it real hot. Um, and then what you do is you get into your shower and you spray it on the glass, and then you get a dryer sheet. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you you like circle motion, uh-huh. like scrub okay. the scum, like yeah, scum. soap scum. Yeah. I hate saying that word, but it's a gross word. The residue on your shower. You're so residue. <laughs> um, but you get in there and scrub with the dryer sheet, and then I like do the squeegee lines, huh. and it works. And it works. Really? Um, yeah, it pretty much works pretty well. So, so do would, you like microwave water? Like, how do you heat it up? Yeah, do you heat it up like in a plastic spray bottle? Uh, no, I'll heat it up and then funnel it into a plastic spray bottle because then I can't have it too hot because it's in the plastic spray bottle. So melt, I was just yeah. wondering if someone had a better because it is that case yeah. where you also like to take that steps hard. So most of the time I don't heat the vinegar and water. I just have it in a spray bottle and so it doesn't you, do it, it as does, great. But a it job. still works, sorta. It still definitely works. There's something about that dryer sheet and the well, vinegar. It's smart it's because weird. I bet the dryer sheet has a little bit of um, it has, it has a texture to it. To it. Yeah, but yeah. it's not going to scratch your glass. Uh-huh. What if you? I wonder if you did it like right after you used the shower, so oh, your glass so was it's hot. All, oh my gosh, that might be really smart. Because I will but say the vinegar, that you need to spray the vinegar. On I your. have this. Um, Glass cloth. Have y'all had one of those? It's no, like a cleaning it's like a cloth. <laughs> it's just a cloth that's meant to clean glass. It's never like heard wash- of it. I like it. Okay, well, Is I'll it find like the it cooking and nail. <laughs> what's in the cloth? And um, yeah, what's in a glass cloth? Well, it's just a. Taryn's googling I'm it. Totally googling um, this. It's just a spe- certain kind. Of, you know, you'll get those packets from like Target or whatever, where it's like it's a. Claw, it's like four cloths, and one of them is like meant to dust. One of them is meant to like clean glass. One of them is was meant this, to like. Was this on an infomercial? Admit it. I think that my mom got it for me when I like this pack when I like moved into my first apartment, and I've had it ever since. Oh, wow. it's like a microfiber. Yeah, but it has a yeah. cer- it has a certain texture to it. Miracle but glass and mirror cloth. It just pack. takes streaks mm-hmm. off your glass like super super easily. Really? I but I have this. found that it's easier to get the streaks off. If there is like um, condensation on the, mm-hmm. so I, sometimes I'll just like pull it out of my cabinet and wipe it down right after I get like out. Like when you clean your glasses and you breathe on them. <gasps> yeah. Or and they say that them. you're supposed mm-hmm. to like um, rinse your, if you're hand washing, rinse stuff in like super hot water because the hot water dries faster and stuff. Oh, I didn't know that either. I'm learning either. so much today. Like if you're rinsing out glassware. Mm-hmm. Don't rinse it in cold water because cold water won't dry, but the hot, super hot water it will evaporate. Quickly. It evaporates, so oh, it dries goodness, without y'all. streaks. We're brilliant. So much sense. Okay. Okay. What's your so try-yump. that was a trial and a triumph. I feel like. I mean, should I be finished? No, but I mean, I feel like you really ended your trial on a high note. It was because you helped us now solve I our issues. These, I want one of these cloths now. Okay. Well, I'll maybe find we'll it like you link it. to it. Yeah. I'll link to it in our show notes. Do it. Perfect. Um, and then my my. Triumph was, did I tell you guys I bought that lady head from work? No. The lady head planter? That needs a lobotomy? No, not the planter. Oh, the Diana bust. (laughs) Diana bust. Oh, yeah, yeah. The one with the full head. I like her a lot. Did I tell you guys That's a Bunny Williams item, isn't it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, I love her. And I plopped her around my house because I wanted one so bad. It's got a nice matte finish, you know, that dry kind of. 
Um, and she's white and she's so pretty. So I wanted to put her somewhere. And so I tried her with necklaces and I didn't like it. And then I tried her as like a centerpiece and I didn't like it. And I tried her layered on a buffet. And I finally put it next to my tub. And there's like a little tray with like stuff on it and like a painting behind um, of Venice or whatever. And she just fits so perfectly. And, and, and it just made me so happy because, of course, I like moved her and then I moved her again. Mm-hmm. You know that feeling you where you're like, like, I love you. I wanted you in my home. You need to find a home. But yep. I, need, yeah. I need you a place. And um, she looks so cute that I'm so happy. You have to That's take a little awesome. pick of yeah, her. Place in a and when I threw a party, I. Or when I threw that party, I did put the um, a fascinator on her. <gasps> oh my god, that's adorable! Mm-hmm. She was cute, so she was the centerpiece of the party table. And she's gonna be great for Halloween because you can dress her up too <gasps> for your Halloween party. True, you should put like or a little dad on weird her. lady that decorates her stuff. You are super weird, and that's yeah, awesome. That's and that's, that's what fair. we love about okay. you. Okay, anyway, those are mine. <laughs> so is it now my it's turn? Your turn, Karen. Okay. No. All right. So you might have recalled from many, many podcasts ago. You know, I have a measuring issue. <laughs> and I'm constantly purchasing items and bringing them into my home that are incorrectly sized. So I purchased one of our Sarah cabinets to go in my bathroom. And it wouldn't fit because I didn't really measure all the way up. And I had a sconce in the way and it wouldn't fit on this little portion of my wall. So I had to stick it in this other wall. And um, so I have a glass shower to Terrence Point, And this totally blocks your view out of the glass shower. So it's like you're in a closet taking a shower and my husband hates it. and he's like this is stupid why do we have a glass shower if you can't even see out of the shower right. but I needed somewhere to keep my stuff so duh I look on our website well we have like a half size one ordered it it arrived this week perfect so since we have a lovely return policy of one year I'm returning my other Sarah sorry you guys and got the half size Sarah so you have the storage that you need I have all the storage because now. my top shelves Really, I had nothing in them except like a stack of three towels because right. I'm a firm believer in not having more than you need, right? So there's two of us in that bathroom. We each get two towels, right? So there's four towels, and you're using two a week, so there's two towels on the thing, and you switch them out each now week. Now you have plenty of room to add a towel um, dryer yeah, towel over on the top of it. Mm-hmm. No, because it's a glass shower door. I can't put it. Oh. It's pushed up against the glass shower thing. Gotcha. I'll send a picture. Okay, so it's not under the scone, where the scones was. I might have to put it there. That's where my husband wants to put it, but <laughs> we haven't quite agreed. Uh-huh. We're still in deliberation. Okay. Mm-hmm. You'll She'll work it out. She'll send a photo, too, once she cleans Do you shower. need a mediator? I might. But the <laughs> I mean, I don't mean are, me, but... You know, the drawers are great because fun. I feel like, you know, it's the place where I keep all my hair gel, and I don't know, my curling iron stuff, so... You use a lot there. of it, don't you? I use so much hair, <laughs> as you can tell, since my hair is a mess. Um, so that was my triumph. I finally got something to fit in my home. And That's my awesome. trial, I guess I'll talk about my random stranger. Danger? Stranger danger. Yeah. This week. So um, I live in a little neighborhood in Atlanta called Virginia Highlands, and it's very walkable. And so, you know, probably 10 houses from my house is a corner um, where there's restaurants and bars and shops and stuff, and so we go there all the time. So two nights ago, my husband's out of town. I was meeting a girlfriend for dinner. We had dinner. I'm walking home at like 9 o'clock at night. So it's dark. I'm aware of my surroundings. I, it's an in-town neighborhood. It's friendly and neighborhoody, but it's, you know, it's in town. People occasionally get mugged. You never know. So this truck kind of pulls up. I see it kind of turn around. It parks. It's going real slow, and that's not unusual. It's not unusual because you're parking in a neighborhood and walking around. But I was just aware, and it seemed odd, and I didn't like it. It made me feel uncomfortable. And I am a big believer in trusting your instincts. And if you feel weird, 
it's okay and do something about it. So I like uh, snuck into a neighbor's yard, <laughs> snuck into my neighbor's yard, and I so kind of like hid. I kind of like, hid behind a tree. There's this giant magnolia tree that's probably three stories high, huge, um, and three stories high. So I'm hiding behind this tree in their front yard, <laughs> looking at the truck. Like, okay, well, if the truck turns off its lights and walks up to the corner to eat dinner, cool. Yeah. Well, they just sit there in the car with the lights on and don't do anything. And of course, I'm obsessing, thinking they're watching me walk home. And, which they're not, I'm sure, but whatever. Um, so I was like, well, I I just don't feel comfortable walking home. So I ring my neighbor's doorbell. Never met this guy before. <laughs> Ding dong. Hi. Um, I'm your neighbor. And I live like five doors down. And that truck made me feel weird. So could you just sort of oh come walk out here on the sidewalk and watch me walk home? And it's, I mean, it's Was seemed- he kind? He was the kindest, nicest yeah. thing, as a neighbor should be, right? Yeah, like, yeah, if absolutely. someone did that at my door, I would be like, let me walk you home. I'll do whatever. And so first he was like, hold on, let me put on my pants. <laughs> <laughs> he was wearing, like, a little short kimono. I don't even know this existed <laughs> anymore. But the nicest guy. So it turns out he's an, a doctor here at Emory and here in Atlanta. I learned a lot about him in the next 10 minutes. So he walked me home. And was so generous and kind of spirit and was like, you know, please, you did the right thing. Please, anytime. Like, I would do this anytime, you know, Aww. and I'm your neighbor and that's why we have a neighborhood. Yeah. So I guess my, my, was that my trial? It could also be your trial. I know. It was sort of both. You like, met a fun new neighbor. I yeah. met a neighbor and I was scared of a truck. The end. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's see if Beth is. Got let's any see if Beth's as weird as we are. Let's bring her in and <laughs> grill her. <laughs> All right, it's time to introduce our guest today. Her name is Beth Webb, and she is an interior designer who has worked all across the country. She has been featured in all of the best shelter magazines. Only the best. Only the best. (laughs) Elle Decor, House Beautiful, Traditional Home, Lux Magazine, Veranda, Atlanta Homes and Lifestyle, of course. And I feel like your spaces are timeless, utterly timeless. Like, they're very layered and um, tailored and cozy. I don't know. It's hard. That's a hard balance to strike, I think. Well, thank you, Carolyn. We try very hard. <laughs> and and I think that that kind of is sort of, it's well, it's become the sort of benchmark for our work. I mean, you know, often I'll look at my own work and go, where where's, the, I mean, where's the common thread? But I get that again and again and again. So good to hear. So you've been doing this a while. Oh, a while. A year or two. <laughs> <laughs> Just a year or two. Right. Right. Um, but I feel, I feel like there's this affinity for Southern designers. They all... I mean, do you feel like there's the, the, the South has influenced your point of view? Totally. I mean, and you throw a rock in this town and you hit one of us. Right. I mean, that's to- like totally to true. We like to decorate. We love to decorate. Southerners care about their houses. And they care deeply about their houses. And um, that's the beauty of being here as an interior designer because it's job security. Um, <laughs> so one, thank yeah. God someone needs us. But, you know, we love to entertain. I think that, that there's just that generous southern soul that, that goes on, you know, everywhere you are in the south. And, and um, you know, 
I love being a Southern designer, and I love Atlanta, and I, we have a lot of camaraderie here. There are a lot of us here, all on the same street, as a matter of fact, and you know, <laughs> our offices are, we, we run into each other coming and going. But we, unlike other cities, I mean, we, which I've heard, this isn't a supposition on my part, but there are so many um, places where designers look at each other's competition. We Mm -hmm. don't hear. We actually really, in fact, last night I was at dinner with three of my peers and competitors, and we were all, you know, sitting at dinner together, sharing war stories and and loving every minute of it. We travel together, we we play together and you know, it's it's a great great industry to be in in this town. It does seem like y'all are supportive mm-hmm. of each other cuz often like you said travel together and that stuff. I follow you on Instagram. I follow a lot of Atlanta designers on Instagram and you We're can all see, together. Yeah, oh, everyone's in, a pack. in Cuba. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I forgot that was going on this we're all, week. We're, we're on our way to together. We're, we're all getting ready to go to yeah. London and Dublin. So, I mean, last night a lot of the conversation was around our plane flights and who's golfing with who and you know, <laughs> that that was the awesome. that was the gist of the conversation last night. Now, do you feel like it's because <clears throat> that group of people are all southern if it, say for instance a New Yorker moved to town, would everyone be as open armed? I think so. Absolutely. I, think so I mean, we all, we, or at least we now play all over the world together. <laughs> and, and honestly, I've done so many jobs in like places like San Francisco or LA where, where I've called a fellow designer that I've met through my travels. And, and I'll say, will you share your workrooms? Will you share your mm-hmm. resources? And they, you know, they're completely happy to do so. I mean, Charlotte Malls will come to Atlanta and she'll say, you know, Beth, can I have your latest, latest, greatest hits? And, you know, we share that all the time. Or I'll have mm-hmm. someone from San Francisco who's doing a place in Albany and they'll call and they say, we need, you know, uh, an upholster or we need, you know, yeah. a drapery workroom. And I'm all too happy to share. That's the best part of what we do is mm-hmm. the community well, so is that because you feel like each one has their such a defined niche that customers or potential clients aren't, um, you know, up for grabs, you know, where you like people know who I am and they know what I bring to the table? Or is it just our generous, wonderful, amazing Southern spirit? I think I mean, I think it's a little <laughs> bit of both. But I, I also think that I always say this to even my clients when or, or potential clients when I'm doing an interview with them, you know, Hiring an interior designer is like hiring your psychologist. Mm. I mean, it has to be a really good fit because you're in bed together. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that, you know, literally, but figuratively. It'd be a more but, interesting show if it was literal. <laughs> well, I mean, it is a great reality TV show. Anyway, that's why they did Million Dollar Decorators. Uh-huh. But And I, to- I actually told Catherine Ireland at one point, and um and Martin Lawrence Ballard, I said, you know, honestly, I can't watch it because it is too real. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was so real that I'd have an anxiety attack watching it. Oh my gosh! But, mm-hmm. but at any rate, you know, it is an intimate profession, and you do mm-hmm. have to be part psychologist, marriage counselor, and you know, just in, you know, confidant. You're you're sort of you're doing people's homes, mm-hmm. and what's more intimate than that? Mm-hmm. And and Quite frankly, I mean, for me, I care about a happy home. I care about a comfortable home. I care about the intimacy of that home. I care about that family that lives in that home. So that's why we do what we do in the way that we do it. And honestly, you know, we also have a business where 
5% is creative and the rest is business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of the business of design is not discussed. It's not it's not discussed in schools when you're mm-hmm. there studying it. And, you know, it's certainly, I mean, the school of hard knocks, when you get out of school and go to your first interior des- design job, you find out very quickly that, oh, my God, I'm not going to be just, like, putting together a beautiful room every day. The reality of it is mm-hmm. much harder. Mm-hmm. Nothing glamorous about it. It looks glamorous on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. but you've, got a, you've got a strong Instagram game. Yes. It's pretty admirable. I look at it a lot. Well, and, you know, as I was saying earlier, I do that. It's a guilty pleasure for me. It's mm-hmm. it's so much of what we do as interior designers is dictated by our clients. And so as a creative human being, you have to find things every day that sort of feed your soul. Mm-hmm. And so the photography part, I, I can't shoot with a camera, but I'd love to shoot with an iPhone. So that sort of became my thing. And it's and it's something that I absolutely love. Do you do a lot of reposting, or do you take your own? I don't. I feel like you I, take a lot of. Your I own. take a lot of my own. Yeah. I don't repost mm-hmm. a lot unless I'm not traveling, which is you know lately I've done a few reposts just because I find the you know I like new fodder. I like new mm-hmm. a new venue as much as the next guy. So you know if I don't have something that's truly inspirational that I have on my phone I like to find something that's truly (laughs) that's truly inspiring me yeah Mm -hmm. and you know often that comes in the form of other people's work so yeah who's someone recently that you've really been loving there been inspired by yeah Yeah. oh their Instagram accounts or just their work oh well I have so many I mean honestly I'm asked that all the time but there's (laughs) so many people who I I really do consider genius. And uh, case in point, the thing that just popped into the forefront of my mind when you asked me that was um, I was in High Point this fall, and Daryl Carter's new collection came out. And it was like there was no publicity on it. And it was very quietly Mm -hmm. launched. And I walked in, and it was just an oh, my God. I mean, one, I love Daryl. He's hilarious. He's he's been a friend. He's, He's... you know, he's genius and, and his collection is gorgeous. So that's just one of, you know, a gabillion mm-hmm. that I can mention off the top of my head. I mean, I was in Paris two years ago and um, I was invited to dinner and little did I know that Jean-Louis Dignot was going to be there. And that was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always sort of starstruck mm-hmm. as we all are. And, you know, we never think of ourselves as being anything but who we are when we look in the mm-hmm. mirror. I mean, you know, I'm the least important person in my own book. So, <laughs> you know, I, in fact, I'm always shocked when someone walks up and knows me mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. even knows my work. To, you know, I mean, it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. That feels good. That must be yeah. right. Yeah, it does feel good. Yeah, feels I mean, you're like, good. they know who I am. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, Sally Field, you like me. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. Because it is like that whole bad dream where you're standing up in front of the class with your underwear on. So you do have that whole sort of moment right. every day. And making any presentation to a client is kind of that moment. Are they going to yeah. like me? Are they going to like what we do? Are they going to like my? Are they going to like me personally? Are they going to like me, you know? Right. As a Aesthetically, friend, yeah. but so I mean, we always. 
I can't remember. It was a famous actor or actress that said once upon a time, they said, you know, I never know where the next job is going to come from. I never know if I'm mm-hmm. going to ever be hired again. Mm-hmm. And I think is any, if whether you're an artist or an interior designer or an actress or an actor, I mean, you never know mm-hmm. if someone's going to like you again. Right. <laughs> well, how do you stay, like we said at the beginning, you've done this for a year or two. A year or two. How do you stay current? I think, I mean, I think, we actually talked about this at dinner last night. I think we're inherently curious curious people. And designers in general, designers mm-hmm. in general. And I mean, I was with Jerry Bremerman last year at um, the Mart, at the Gift Mart in Atlanta. She's, I won't say her age, but she is over 80, well over 80, still working every single solitary day and still as engaging and as curious as you know, any 20-year-old could possibly be. My grandfather was the same way. He died two days short of 101. And oh my God. he got the Wall Street Journal every day, the New York Times. He walked every day. He had board meetings. He taught Sunday school. I mean, he was on the board for SunTrust until literally the week he died. And he was just that curious. Mm-hmm. And I think curiosity keeps you young. And in our business, you have to be up to speed. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I'm a a travel addict, and I am, you know, I mean, I would, when I would get shelter magazines, even as, I mean, as a very, very young adult, like literally 18 year old, I'd read them from cover to cover. I think if you do what you're passionate about doing, then, you know, work does not feed, feel like work. You're always going to be happy doing mm-hmm. what you do. Mm-hmm. True. Do you feel like clients have changed at all in, over the course of time and also with the um, introduction of more technology? You know, we've got more access right now to resources and imagery and ideas and things. Do you feel like your clients are more educated, more sophisticated, or have their tastes changed? Like, what? how has that changed your relationship with clients? Well, the ADD is much worse um, <laughs> for everybody. And I had one client in particular at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'd start getting, like, email after email after email. What about this? What about this? You know, oh. She'd been shopping on first dibs. And, you know, we literally, you know, they'd come pouring in. And then, then it was just up to me to sort of, sort of edit all the choices. That's what's changed a little bit. But, you know, at the same time, I mean, I still have the client who walk in and say, look, I love what you do. And I want you to do what you do as well as you can do it. And, you know, I like the dialogue. I love the client interior designer dialogue, because to me, it's a conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'm working right now with someone who who, you know, she has exquisite taste. She doesn't need an interior designer. But doing your own work is really, really difficult. Mm -hmm. I am my worst client because it's very difficult to make a decision for yourself, whereas I can make decisions for other people all day long. Same thing with this person. They could design anything, anywhere. And when I say exquisite taste, I mean exquisite taste. But they just wanted someone to have a dialogue with Mm -hmm. and to bounce things off of, a partner in crime. And so, you know, those are fabulous jobs because, A, you have someone with with exquisite taste who then, obviously, they didn't hire you because they just like you. They hire you because they think that your taste dovetails with their taste. And so, anyway, those are great fun. 
Who's your favorite kind of client? The client who can make a decision. Mm-hmm. And actually, I've been asked that question a lot, and it, I mean, it just rolls right off my tongue because, <laughs> I mean, the hardest client I have is the one who cannot make a decision mm-hmm. or who's like, well, what about this? What about that? And then you're like that. And then they say, but what about this? What about that? Or would they decide and then three days later call you and are second guessing it? Oh, yeah. And I know that, I place that order. Sorry. And, <laughs> and, and that's hard. Or, you know, I mean, and so I always say that that the one who cannot make up their mind is the more difficult. And it's not because they aren't wonderful people. It's just they have, you know, they just have a hard time with it. Mm-hmm. I like someone who can say what they like and don't like. To you me, get to know particularly. their style better, Decisive. I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes it easier for me. Yeah. And I like a client who comes to me with, um, you know, it's, uh, I have a great friend, Joel Kelly, who's also a designer and across the hall from us, and he was teaching at SCAD. And so with his students, he would create a fictitious, fictitious client. So, you know, he'd give the, the kids a project and he'd go, this is your client. They're young, they're, you know, young professionals, they're 33 and 32, and this is the house they're buying, and they're in Midtown and blah, blah, blah. I like a scenario. And Nina Campbell and I were doing Greystone a few years ago in L.A., which is the Greystone Mansion. And Nina, who's hilarious and should be doing this podcast instead of me, (laughs) you know, was like, so, yeah, I created this whole scenario about my client. And, you know, and she had her whole persona of this person in her room. And and often it makes it just so much easier Mm -hmm. if you have... The personality, and I mean, it's why we do such intricate and in-depth interviews with our clients, because we want to know who they are. How do you live? How many times a week do you entertain? Do you have children? Do you have dogs? Do you have cats? Are they bad children? Are they clean children? Are they, <laughs> yes. you know, what are they? Do you cook? Yeah, do you cook? Do you really cook? Is right. this a fake kitchen or is this a real kitchen? Mm-hmm. Is it a caterer's yeah. kitchen Right. Or is it for you? Right. <laughs> Tell us all about that process, because I was actually about to ask, like, how the like, interview process yeah when you're interviewing a new client like how does that go yeah like what are the, what I don't know. how do you discover yeah well i can't person. remember who told me this but um and actually i don't think they told me i think i was listening to an interview with them i believe is alessandra blanca but anyway she said you need to interview your client as carefully as they're interviewing you mm-hmm. and it took me a long time to realize how important that was because some people are you know you may not be a good fit for them and Mm -hmm. they're hiring you but you're not going to dovetail with them Mm -hmm. so you know in the interview process I think it's very important to ask people sort of I mean it's it's a lifestyle and I always say you know this is your house it's not mine I'm not the one living there and I'm not a cookie cutter designer for that reason the challenge to me is how to create a beautiful environment for not me, for them, mm-hmm. for their family, for their needs, and it should reflect their personalities, not mine. And I, I you know, I'm just there to sort of, you know, sort of like today. We were in an all day meeting today, and I, that client had a very definitive mission when she came, when she called on me. And, you know, she lives in a very beautiful house, and she has beautiful taste, and she has beautiful things, but she wanted it to be fresher, and she wanted it to be, 
younger and she already has beautiful things to work with. But so, you know, I already knew that going into the meeting today. It makes it easier for me to make the choices for her Mm -hmm. if I have some sort of very clear direction on where they're going. You know, often with a younger client who's never done a house before, I'm like, do you have a Pinterest board? I'd like to see it because even though someone tells me they don't have a style, everyone has a style. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, do you feel like people are honest when when they're in having their initial conversations with you? Because the life that I kind of want to live probably isn't the life I'm actually mm-hmm. living. You know, I might fancy myself to be I want to entertain a lot. I want a house that works for entertaining, mm-hmm. but actually... I don't entertain or... But I usually find that out yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. 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 I mean, like really dig in. How do you, you find it out, though? Like, well, I mean, she stalks them and sits outside. <laughs> <in her laughs> Watch their Instagram account. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. But um, no, I, you know, honestly, particularly with new construction, because we do so much new construction, and you're, you know, you're, you're literally at the meeting to pick out all the appliances, and you mm-hmm. know when there's a serious cook standing next to you, and you know when there's not, True. and you know when there are people who are truly interested in it, and when the, you know, they're just not, and. Um, and I often, I mean, like I said, I didn't just start this yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the school of hard knocks. You sort of really can sort of know your client better than they know themselves often. Mm-hmm. But I'm very practical as well. I mean, as you I'm not trendy. I've never been known for trendy. And mm-hmm. um, But... I think the thing that people don't know about me is comfort is key. I mean, it's so incredibly important to me. I make every client butt test every piece of furniture. (laughs) And like, we're not buying it unless you sat in it. And I can look at their body language and tell if they're comfortable. Mm -hmm. And they're upright sitters and they're slouchy sitters. (laughs) And they're, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a constant dialogue to find out what that happy medium is. But what I want at the end of the day is and my happiest moments are always after the job is done and everything is sort of put to bed and you know they'll have a benefit at their house they'll have some cocktail party and I get to go to that party and see how the house lives mm-hmm. full of people not just their family but full of people because the ergonomics of that household are very important to mm-hmm. me and and it really dictates almost every choice I make yeah. Comfort is key. I like it. Mm-hmm. How well, I was going to ask, which I hope that doesn't take that away from that, but because yeah. people are listening to how to decorate, like the podcast. They want to know how so to decorate, right? How do you start a room? It all depends. And the, it's a very good question. I'm asked that a lot. So, you know, I've heard other designers say, well, I start with the rug or I start, you know, with, I don't know. I often, I mean, I I tell my clients all the time, it's a domino effect. So you have to jump off the cliff somewhere. So (laughs) let's take just the new house at the beach, and we're sitting down for that initial, not initial meeting, but the initial sort of design meeting. And I've already, you know, laid out several scenarios. And whether that be color palette, texture, whatever else, I mean, it's like, I will watch a client sit at that table, just like today, and they'll look at all those fabrics and all those finishes and everything that's lying out on the table. And, you know, I'll watch their eyes and I see them. It's like playing poker. I mean, you, 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 <laughs> you literally, you see them hone in on that one thing, and that one thing 
usually dictates the room. So the thing they're first attracted to? Or the thing that they yeah, like can't today. Resist. I mean, it was like this one piece of fabric, and you know, it was. We were doing the whole house, but, but it was this one particular, particularly beautiful linen with you know a pattern on it. And I saw her hone in on that. I'm like, we'll build the room around this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so your observation is really a lot of it. You're playing into a lot of it, watching what someone gravitates toward. Right. So. Now if, it, now, if it's a bad choice, they might have to. <laughs> like, but it wouldn't be on the board. Observe themselves. It's not going to be on the table if it's a bad exactly. choice. Exactly. Never ever show an option. No, 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 no. I and my clients Ooh. will say, "But do you love it?" I'm like, "I wouldn't have put it on the table yeah. if I didn't like it." Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but do you love it? And the answer will be, "There are lots of things to love here, and there are a lot of things to love." And if you put ten designers in a room, we'll all do it differently. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone has a different That's slant. That's the beauty of it. I yeah, think. Right. I mean, that to me is the beauty of um, design. And there's homes. not a wrong answer, right? I mean, we right. all are different. Right. We talk about this a lot because we all, the three of us, work at Ballard, right? We buy lots of Ballard because we get an employee discount. That's not a secret. <laughs> <laughs> but if you go in our homes, they look. So different exactly. from each other. And we all probably shop at similar stores out in the world. There's only, only so many mm-hmm. unless you go to, you know, have someone. It's about how you put boutiques. it together. But it's mm-hmm. about how you put it together and your point of view. And I love that. I love mm-hmm. the empowering of just following your gut. And back to your question about the clients, you know, who are online all the time. I mean, I, and, and say, well, I'm with a younger client. You know, you have many people who will say to you, well, I could do it myself. But the fact of the matter is they all come back to you and they say, I can pick it out. I can't put it together. Mm -hmm. And that is actually the hardest part of the whole equation. Agreed. Making that cohesive. Right. Mm -hmm. Making each thing work together. It's like doing a jigsaw puzzle. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you find people, not necessarily in your clients, but just out in the world, that people miss or do wrong or something that like, is this is this her the question of what's your decorating pet peeve? I love no, that question. Okay, like, so this is a different I one. Think, okay, we'll get know, that out later. You have a designer's point of view. Like, what is something that you feel like every room needs that maybe people forget to put together? Like, maybe it's the right drape. Maybe people don't put or the right, right drapery or the or, right size mm-hmm. rug or something that people are doing wrong that they can take their room to a level that's more along the lines of what a designer would put together, I guess. Well, I think think Mm -hmm. what I find a lot when I look at imagery is scale often is misunderstood. It's a very difficult thing. You can't teach it necessarily. I mean, you know, that's arguable, but it's a very difficult thing to teach. And it's where people go wrong many, many times. And, you know, then... Of course, the details are so complicated. And for the younger designer, I mean, I'm not going to age myself prematurely, but I've, you know, I've done this for a number of years. A year or two. A year or two. Yeah, a year or two. So, you know, I think that there are things that we learn. I'm learning every day. I never stop learning. And I mean, I am told something new every single solitary day of my life in the world of interiors that I did not know before. Mm-hmm. Or I'm constantly searching for, you know, information about maybe it's how to do it differently. But at the same time, I mean, so scale is one thing. I mean, lighting is quite another. I I, have, I do have a big pet peeve about lighting. Ooh. Uh-oh. Yeah, we and, are you judging me? 
No. Okay. <laughs> no. It's a no. lot of pressure. Let me just say, I want to oh, say I can right now, it's a lot of pressure having you people over to my but house. It, but you it's, people. But it's a lot of, you <laughs> know, she fancy, like, the best right. designers in the country. But, but, but honestly, it's a lot of pressure for us as designers to have people over to our houses. Oh, I bet. Yes. I'm I mean, other designers, our peers, are you kidding me? Mm, I mean, yes. it's, oh, it's. yeah, total it's, judgy McJudge a lot. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's why you went out to dinner to all meet up. That's right. Right. We went to another person's house who wasn't an interior designer. And then you all sat around going, oh my gosh, can you believe what she's got up on the wall? I want to hear what she says about the lighting. Sorry, okay, sorry. But their house is really, it was extraordinarily beautiful. But anyway, um, no, but layers of light are very important and ambient light and how that makes you feel viscerally. I mean, there's so much to design that's actually very sensual that you don't take into account when you're when you're when you're looking at a room in a shelter magazine, it's two dimensional. When you're in a room and it's three dimensional, mm-hmm. there are so many factors in that room that you viscerally pick up on that mm-hmm. you don't. It's it's completely subconscious. How does the house smell? How does the light affect you? You know, how does all the texture in the room? I mean, you cannot see that in a photograph. You can see it to a certain extent, but to not really experience, it. you're not experiencing mm-hmm. it. So a, a room where you walk in and there's just overhead lighting and you don't have layers of light around you makes you feel icky, sort of institutional. Mm-hmm. I mean, I walk into houses all the time where they have six-inch builder cans with renovations and they'll have incandescent floods in it. And I'm like, you know, just change out that light fixture and you won't believe the difference it's going to make. But having the lamps and the under-counter lighting and the, you know, and well lighting or whatever else that you put into that room changes the way a house feels completely it's Mm -hmm. transformative or you know i'll often say you can walk into a house and you sense the karma of that house you can tell us what your decorating pet peeve is when you walk in people's house except my house (laughs) (laughs) decorating pet peeve Mm I hate fluorescent lighting. I've said that in a million interviews. I hate fluorescent lighting. No one likes fluorescent lighting. There's no way to make that thing good. We, and I don't care office, what the temperature is. It hurts my eyes. In our office, you will walk around. It makes around me sad. And most of the overhead lights are off all over our office. And people right. just have lamps in their cubes or lamps Because in people move lamps to their cubicles. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. whose idea was it to do fluorescent it's and bad. eliminate an incandescent bulb? But now I'm having complaints from clients about even the, you know, the light quality of LEDs. So that's evolving and it's a beautiful thing. It's getting better. Um, But pet peeves, scale is a big issue for me Mm -hmm. when I see things where everything's completely wonky doodle and, you know, everything's out of scale. And move it. Do you touch it when you go or like, oh, Sue, let me help you out here? Well, you know, often, I mean, when we get hired, for pre-existing properties, which we do a lot. You know, I'm often like, honestly, give me a day with a couple of movers and I can make it look incrementally better just moving things around. Mm-hmm. But I don't mean clients. I mean, just your girlfriend's house. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> no. that's how it all started. Yeah. Oh, there <laughs> yeah. you go. I mean, I didn't set out to be an interior designer. So, you know, often it was just like, let me help you out. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I did work for free for an awfully long time. A lot of people that we've talked to, you know, didn't start out with that in mind. No, but it was an inclination, or they kept being asked. It's or a compulsion. It was, it was mm-hmm. yeah. It's a talent that you don't realize you have, and then suddenly 
you know, you have a business, yeah. a beautiful well, burgeoning business. If you look at some of the greats, I mean, and that's not me, but I mean, if you look at a long, long line of interior designers, none of us started out as interior designers. We started out in other worlds. And right. a million times I've heard art history. I think, you know, it informs your aesthetic sensibility so profoundly. Mm-hmm. And um, some of the best that we know started out with just a liberal arts education. Because honestly, I mean, as important as interior design school is, you learn by looking, and 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 it's repetition, and it's all about, I mean, that's how you recognize quality at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It's, you look at beautiful things, and you look at quality, and that is how you actually, it assimilates, and it permeates, and it infuses, you know. So you know the difference. You right? know the difference. Because if you, if you haven't laid eyes on something lovely versus something that isn't, how would you ever know? So you and have, like you're saying, well, you have to keep looking at it, touching it, experience it. So it's you, touch it, feel it, see mm-hmm. it. But I now often take clients to ADAC when I think that, you know, I mean, I'm That's like, the I'm going to. Atlanta Decorative Arts Center. Atlanta Decorative Arts mm-hmm. Center. So I'll often take them there to see the best of the best before we move on down the line. So they have a benchmark. And, you know, even we work with every budget, and budgets are a part of life. But I think it's good to know what's really good before mm-hmm. you move down the line. And I'm a big high-low person anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I think every house should have a lot of both. And and all our, all our projects do. I mean, we buy from every venue imaginable. It doesn't matter you know, where, what, why, Ikea. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly. So, I mean, it. you know, we go from here, high-low. It's like the French woman's closet. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you can have a Chanel jacket and you put it with a J. Crew jean. So you should always have a little bit of that. It makes it more livable. It makes it more comfortable. It makes it more approachable. And that's how you can splurge on the best. Right. By not splurging on everything. It wouldn't right. be a splurge if it was just And I think it, I think it keeps it real. Yeah. Which is the beauty of it. Back to the scale question. If just for the people, you know, our, our listeners, how, like, what are some just easy ways? Oh, a ways? pet peeve. Okay, another pet peeve, though. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. One other pet peeve. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll walk in, and, and I did this the other day, but, you know, someone will have really short, short draperies. And I'm like, I'm, of course, I'm looking no, around. No, the room. you do not. Yours are fine. Okay, but, but they'll have hung them directly right over the oh, window. So table. Low. And I'm like, hang them low. No, give it verticality. Give, again, that comes down to scale, mm-hmm. and and you know, give a room a sense of height and a sense of importance and a sense of verticality, and you know, so many things are a inherently understood, but not actually articulated sometimes mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. interiors do you well, feel like people go i'm sorry no i've um, got nothing go do you feel like people go smaller than they should or larger than they should like what it depends how can people i guess pick the right scale for the room well if you have a very small space give it the illusion of space and again that's raising everything to the crown giving it that sense of verticality if a room is short you know Give it a sense of height. Mm -hmm. And there are a million ways you can do that. But then, like, for instance, we had a client, and they had this sort of living room, and everything looked – I mean, he had his knoll chairs from I don't know when. And, 
you know, everything was short and the room was tall and, and it's a very difficult thing to explain to people. Right. Just because you have a pretty item doesn't mean it's going to work in your room. Right. Mm -hmm. And it is, again, about how you put things together. Yeah. I was going to ask that real quick because I feel like my friends that have bought these bigger homes, these new builds, have these very tall ceilings. And um, I feel like... Not everyone knows how to bring height into the room. That's that seems to be a it all overwhelming. Feels dwarfed, Everything right? feels like it's you know yeah one third of the. So room. I mean, if you look at a really large room and a great room, for instance, that can have three separate seating areas. I mean, you want to do an overscaled upholstered piece to sort of give weight to the room. I think Nancy Braithwaite called it a power piece. So, you know, you often will look for that thing that can weight the wall, whether it be you know art or a mirror or, you know, a, again, it's why Restoration Hardware did small spaces, large spaces, Mm -hmm. because everything was geared Mm -hmm. for one or the other. And it's so much about understanding that. But, you know, we take plans and we draw on plans and then, you know, you pick furniture that's proportionate to the space, which is not a skill that most people have in the back of their pocket. Mm -hmm. Right. They're just like, oh, I have a sofa. Right. I'll put it in the room. Right. <laughs> right. And why does that not look right? Because it's a, you know, 72-inch sofa, love seat in a, you know, room that's 20 feet long. Right. Mm-hmm. You, and it's I, what you put it with. I think so many people push all their furniture up against the wall. Right. Instead oh. of floating it in a room. Oh, that makes me crazy. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just because there's a wall doesn't mean you need to right. put a sofa on it. Right. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Should, should we do our dilemmas? Yeah, I was, I was actually... So we just have a few people who have written in, and you're going to help solve their amazing problems. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. It's going to be so easy. Yeah. I mean, because you're a pro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Taryn, do you want to read it? Taryn. Oh, sure. Erica uses our names. I like it, Erica. <laughs> Erica has some and good And she spelled them too. right. Yeah, I know. That's she impressive. She names, which is, I mean, she looked it up. There's no way you got Taryn <laughs> without looking that up. That's true. Okay. Okay. Um, Erica writes, I hope this finds you well. I absolutely love your podcast and find it both entertaining and helpful. I have a decorating question for you. I feel like Erica is the most polite listener we have. Isn't she sweet? Do you you have stalkers? (laughs) No, not yet. No stalkers? Karen stalks. I stalk everyone else, but no one's right. Karen's our stalker. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give any stalker a run for their money. Right. (laughs) Okay, and she writes after that, I live in a cute one-bedroom condo that I've slowly been renovating since I bought it in 2014. When I bought it, the previous owner had updated the kitchen and bathroom using cabinet solutions from Ikea and a cream tan tile blend with gray grout. Since the tile is newer and in great shape, even though it might not be what I would have picked, I'm seeking a solution for what might look good with it. I would really like to find a way to add to my kitchen without ripping out the existing tile. So I've been contemplating new countertops. I love the look of quartz or white marble, but I'm not sure if it would look good with this tile pattern, question mark. And she has an image. I am attaching some photos so you can see the kitchen layout and the tile pattern. I'm also attaching a photo of the entryway that is right outside the kitchen so you can get a feel for what my home looks like. I would love to hear any ideas you have for countertops that would complement the existing tile, also used as the backsplash. Mm-hmm. Budget-friendly options are also appreciated. The kitchen is sort of closed and 
And so lighter tones are likely what I would prefer. And eventually, I hope to update the black appliances to stainless steel or something else that would look classy and timeless. I look forward to hearing your thoughts and ideas. Thank you, ladies. So she really is wanting input on our countertop. Right. Yes. Okay. And the backsplash. Okay. And and so, I mean, it's really quite an easy – it is an easy pick. So I think she's absolutely right on the stainless steel appliances. And then, you know, there are great alternatives on, you know, countertops that are not necessarily stone that you could use Caesar stone. You could actually, I mean, because Caesar stone would be great to use for the back. You could do subway tiles. I mean, really inexpensive subway tiles mm-hmm. from even Dow tile mm-hmm. in a three by six on the backsplash, spend your money on Caesar stone on the countertops. And then maybe, you know, with the floor, just change out the grout color to white. I mean, it's not a big deal to sort of run over that with a white just to sort of lighten it up. I bet she could do that herself. She might be able to do that herself. Skim it. Mm -hmm. And then... YouTube. Yeah. YouTube (laughs) tutorial. Exactly. And then I can't tell. Is the island freestanding? Is that... It looks like it. I think think it's freestanding. It's a little island she plopped in there. Right. So she could always go with... I mean, she, you know... As an alternative, she could get something a little more industrial chic, maybe like, you know, metro shelving Mm -hmm. with a shelf underneath with a stainless top to go with her new stainless appliances. Mm, That's fun. And boom. Mm -hmm. Done. Done. It's so simple when you're here, Beth. Oh, yeah. Right? Right. We would have noodled (laughs) over that for hours. (laughs) You bring a pro in, you're done. Yep. Well, that's true. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's Beth it. That's a big event she has to run to. Yeah. Well, well, Beth, we um, thank you so much for coming. We'd love for you to share where people can find you and follow you. Yeah, you can find stuff. me every single morning on Instagram. Well, I, you know, <laughs> I say that I do skip a couple of days. <laughs> I, I have to take some time. I, I don't mean to do that. It just happens. But um, no, I love my Instagram account, and if you want to, you know, follow the wanderlust, that's certainly the place to do it. And then you know. Other than that, see Your everybody. Website is our, Beth my Webb. website is bethweb dot com. And yeah. tell us, you have a it's book Beth coming Web. out in the fall, so people we can do. Look we have to a that. book coming out with Rizzoli in the fall. Do you have a name yet? An eye for beauty. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I love that name. Yes, it's an eye for beauty. And Beth. it suits you. It really does. Well, thank it you. you. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been awesome having you here. It really has. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. I had such a good time. Thanks for coming. That's the easiest thing. Right? (laughs) Sit around, you talk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not, there's no mystery to it. (laughs) But this has to be the funnest thing you guys do. It kind of is. It is. It's it's pretty good. good.